Thank you, Matt. Um, always great to start a morning off with good worship songs, isn't it? Kind of gets the, the body going, gets the spirit moving. So thank you, Matt. Uh, this morning, uh, I say every week, uh, uh, we always have a special guest. But this morning, uh, I say the same thing. Uh, actually, this morning, we uh, I get to introduce our, our new pastor, uh, Jason Garcia. Uh, I can go over his resume, but I'd be here for whew, a long time. So <laughs> I'm going I'm to cut that one short. I will say this, uh, that he's uh, been part of uh, uh, Rick Warren uh, down in Saddleback, uh, Chip Imgrim. Uh, the, uh, the list goes on. Uh, he's been uh, part of many a startup, and, and hopefully what he's about to do here at our church uh, will resemble that which he's done in the past. Uh, you know, God willing, uh, with God's grace. So with further, no further ado, let me get uh, Pastor Jason Garcia right, up here. Thank you, Randy. I want to make sure I got that button pushed. Just in case, man. Does that look like it's on too? Perfect. Hey, well, good morning. Man, it's good to see you all. Some of you, well, most of you, I know. So it's been a long time, and it's so great to see you. We had a um, great time with um, the the uh, board last night and just had just got reacquainted bottom line and uh, met a few new faces and we talked a lot about just the, the potential of this church and who you are and so to me you know it's been um, many years since I've been out of the conference but this church has always been a church that just um, really both for my wife and I and I'll introduce you. I think we have a picture of our family here. I'll introduce you to them in a second. But it's always been in my heart. And uh, you know, you're not supposed to play favorites, you know, at all. But I have some good friends that are here. Some of them aren't. And one of them is getting baptized, you know, uh, at the service at another church. But, but I can tell you right now, what God wants to do here is far beyond, you know, what any human can do. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, and I'll just share just a little bit about myself. There you go. Now I can hear myself thinking. Um, um, again, my name is Jason Garcia, and I think I've pastored for about 42 years. And so we have started a few churches from scratch. And we've also, you know, my wife says, man, you've been in a church where, you know, you started her from scratch to a church of 50,000. And so everything in between. And so I, I run a firm, it's called Leadership Architects Group, which we go into nonprofits, churches of every single size, and even for-profits. And what we try to do is connect the vision to an action plan. And then we measure if we're doing our vision. And, and so that's, that's primarily, I work with a lot of, 120 pastors, 120 churches. Um, and that has been my heart, is to help churches and boards basically see the potential of what we can do, you know, uh, and what they can do. And I also run an organization called Rise Church Planting. And we're getting ready to plant three brand new churches. And, you can, and here's where they're going to be planted. One's going to be in Seattle. One's going to be in Portland. And then right now, one of them is going to be Rebirth and Berkeley. And so what do those three communities have together? You know, uh, there are large places that def desperately need some light in their community. Um, but saying all that, when, when uh, Superintendent Keith asked me about this church, oh, good, thank you. 
That's right, I forgot. Northern California, man, you're still wearing these masks, you know, but good for you. You stay healthy. Um, anyways, when he asked me, when he, he shared what was going on at the church, and um, he basically told me, he just said, well, you know, you always talk about Peninsula Hope, the people there. And he said, would you be interested in, and just, um, if nothing else, uh, uh, provide some leadership there? And so I said, man, I will do whatever I can do. Um, I will pastor, um, and I will, I want to work with the board. I want to get to know you. I'm a people person. In fact, I have a strange gift mix. Uh, there's a prophetic edge, you know, um, that I've always had, and that's a speak declarative, um, uh, the word of God, you know, to mainly I work with leaders. And sometimes you need to speak a little louder with leaders. <laughs> and, and, but I am, I am only in the pulpit and in a church because I love people. Um, a little bit about my background. I was raised, my dad worked for the State Department. He was a pilot. We moved everywhere. So you have to learn how to meet people quick. Um, but one of the things that I learned very quickly is that if you're kind to people, you know, and, and you have some level of an EQ, uh, and I learned this when I was a kid, then um, you can begin to, to develop a relationship that's real and it's authentic. And so that prophetic gift that I've always had has always connected to my desire to have authentic relationship. Um, I, don't really, I don't exaggerate. I, I, am, I am just straightforward. But I've always had an opportunity to work outside the church. And so I was sharing with the guys last night that um, I have three brothers. Two of them are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, and one of them is um, the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. And they're always trying to get me. So I'm the failure to thrive kid, you know, in our family. Uh, they're still wondering, so why are you in ministry? But uh, it's because I choose to be. I've always had an outside, and the reason why is because, man, people matter to God, and there's no other reason. I don't have to wear stripes. I could care less if you call me pastor, you know, um, uh, but I'm going to be your friend, and I want to be your friend, you know, as well. So to me, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know a lot of you, but most of you I do, um, and I just wanted just to come up just straight up and just tell you, um, not only uh, am I glad to be here, but my heart, man, is here. And I want to see the Holy Spirit do an incredible work. And believe me, I know your past. Um, and, and so I know what this church has gone through. And that's part of the reason, too, when, when Keith asked me, I said, look, the last thing that group of people needs is another transition. So what can I do to help? So we're going to process through. I want, I want to get to know you. I want to get the lay of the land a little bit. Um, as you know, I live in San Clemente, California. So I wish, you know, I, I had that ability, like the Holy Spirit can be, you know, uh, um, omniscient, you know, uh, but I'm not. Um, uh, so we're figuring out the teaching schedule. All I can tell you is that if I'm not here or speaking, you know, via online, then uh, you'll have a better teacher <laughs> than I'll ever be. You know, um, and so there's a huge commitment to see us through this and to see what our future looks like. And so you have a lot of people praying for you. You have people that don't even belong to the Free Methodist Church. In fact, only 5% of my network is the Free Methodist Church. Um, a lot of churches in the Bay Area I coach. And, so, and they're all praying for you. And mainly because, I, you know, we've been bragging about you. Um, so, you know, all that to say, I don't need to say anything else about myself, and I probably won't from this point on. 
but uh, I just wanted to say it's good to see you, and I can't wait to get to know you and to see what God has for this place. And um, thank you. I want to thank all the board and all the leaders here for just sticking it out. Transitions, ugh, you know, uh, they're, not, they're not fun. And when you see people like Darren and, you know, you have Mark and, and, and who else is here that I can recognize? You know, you have Mr. Orta here. And um, who is missing from last night? Was everybody here from last night? Um, yeah, so you, you three. And I think Rhea w uh, um, has been a part of this for a long time, too. But you have a great group of people. Um, Andrew is a friend of mine. Um, and, but the leadership here, you can just see the relationship there and, and, and the desire and hunger, you know, to get, to get a little deeper in, in their walk with Jesus. And so I just want to say thank you from the very beginning. And I normally don't do these little monologues beforehand. I just kind of get right to the word. But um, again, I want to introduce myself. I do have a family. And do we have a patient? There they are. And so uh, my, I was trying to set Darren up with one of my daughters, but he, he didn't go for it. He's already got a girlfriend, you know? And, and so I was a, little, a day later, a dollar short. Um, anyways, uh, I always tell people that it's like the, it, it's, it's, it's like the, uh, the Sesame Street segment, you know, where it's like this picture. It's like, which one doesn't belong, you know? Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so, some of you know this, but I was in an automobile accident. And 39 bones fractured and gained a little weight. And you would think there'd be a little bit of mercy for my family, uh, but no. You know what I mean? They're saying, come on, Dad, you know? And so I go out surfing with my son. And he used to hang out with me just to make sure that I would actually be able to do it again. And now he just like, he just me. But everything that's exercise oriented and every weird food on the planet, you know, um, they, they feed me. But this has been a long process. So that's my wife, Christy. Um, she is the CFO of a nonprofit. Um, my daughter on the left, she's just getting her pilot's license, by the way. But she, she works for a firm um, that's a, uh, that writes blogs for Fortune 500 companies. And then my son's an engineer. And my daughter in the middle right there is the one who just battled through cancer. And so, so as many of you know, I've been in Spain for a good, um, almost a month, a little over a month. And, and so, yeah, sorry about last week. I, I didn't even know I was supposed to be here last week. I was still in Spain, you know, or just got back from Spain. And so I get a, uh, an email from Darren. And he says, hey, Saint man, so what's happening? You know, uh, but I'm glad you're flexible. Yeah, um, the... Uh, the cool thing about what's happened with her is that she had a golf ball-sized uh, tumor. And, um, and I won't get into all the details other than the fact that we prayed for the right neurosurgeon. And uh, we ended up getting the, the, the number one neurosurgeon on the planet for her, for her tumor. He's, he's from Australia. Now, that was the first miracle. Um, so we were able to get him here, but he couldn't get to the United States because of COVID rules and Australia is pretty strict and you know, the U.S. still is. And what was great is that he just said, look, uh, we need to do this fast and here's a couple options. So one of them was in Alicante, Spain. And so we said, okay, let's do it. It's weird having surgery. We're, we're going to do it here at Stanford. But he couldn't get him in. So she had surgery. He told me before the surgery, you know, there's a good chance she's not going to be the same girl. Uh, even if we take it out. And so you can imagine, any of you who've ever gone through that, you're, you know, you're, you, you just think, okay, God, we're, we have no choice but to hand it to you, but you're a big God and we believe you. 
So she went in, you know, surgery took almost, uh, well, over twice as long as they said. So you know, we're sitting out there, and some of you have probably gone through the same experience. And we, you know, the whole time we're thinking, okay, God, what's gonna happen? And then she gets out of surgery, they say, you're gonna have to wait. So we waited, and then um, they said, you can come in. Uh, she hasn't stopped talking, you know, from the time that she woke up. And, and the, neurosurgery, well, the neurosurgical team, none of them are believers. And this is, you know, we're in Europe, you know, with an Australian neurosurgeon. Uh, you can look him up, his name is Charlie Teal. Um, and and uh, so I was talking about I'm a person of faith. You know, I, actually I said I was a pastor, and I had to explain what that meant, which tells you everything you need to know about their spirituality. Um, but saying all that, um, he looked at me afterwards, and he said, I've never seen anything like this before. And uh, I said, what do you mean? He said, um, I, I, you know, always hope that it's going to turn out well. And uh, he said, but this, this is what you call, and I've never called anything like this, a miracle. And, uh, and, and the, the head of the neurosurgical department said that he was raised as a Catholic, and he was so moved by it. He still, so he emails me all the time and tells me what church, churches are, are that I know of. So, of course, I tell him about the, the evangelical churches. And, but the whole thing is, we just, so we just got back, you know, uh, not too long ago, and, um, and just praising God for, for miracles. And so we serve a God of miracles. And um, I love to say this. I don't say it very often because it doesn't happen all the time. So I feel like I'm just coming off a miracle, you know. <laughs> and I wish you could say that every day, but actually you could say that every single day, because we serve a God that's bigger than all of our needs. Um, so anyways, thank you for praying. Many of you have come up to me and have, have said, hey, you know, how's your daughter doing? So thank you very, very much. Uh, she's my baby. Um, uh, and just seeing her go out and do, you know, what she does best, which is, you know, she's, a, she's an actress, tells people about Jesus all the time. And it's just the most incredible feeling. But uh, anyways, enough. Enough of, the, of the, the prelogue, if you will. Let's get into the word. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 18. If you don't have your Bibles, we're going to have it on the screen behind us. But I wanted to get a little bit of, this is kind of a devotion sermon, uh, because I know we want to spend some time doing some meet and greet afterwards. Uh, but I want to take you through a scripture that, that really is one of, uh, of a whole series of scriptures that, that really talks about what does impact look like. Um, impact in our church, impact in our life, um, impact in our workplace, um, and impact when we feel like we can't go any further, or impact, you know, when you're, when you're going through a transition. And, and it's one of my favorite psalms. It, it is what I would say the most graphic psalm of all. It's, it's what they call in a category messianic um, psalms. And, and this particular scripture, you'll see, has a very distinct parallel um, uh, likeness to the crucifixion of Christ. And it's, it's, it's very, very powerful. Uh, and so buckle your seatbelts, and we're going to take you through it. Some of you know this. Uh, some of you, I'm going to reintroduce it to it. And uh, it's Psalm 118. And uh, the first verse, I love this. It says, I love you, Lord. You're my strength. Now, stop there. Because the context for the scripture, as many of you know, is the, David, who is already promised to be the king, 
um, is in the desert running from this madman, Saul. And, and that was a pretty formidable army that Saul had. And David had a few men around him, but he was just trying to find shelter. He was just trying to get out of the sight um, of, of Saul. He was just hoping that he wouldn't be spotted. He was running. And, and so uh, the more interesting thing about this, it actually, actually describes the terrain. So he's hiding in the clefts of the rocks. He's hiding anywhere he possibly can. And the one thing that he couldn't be seen doing is being in open spaces because he could get spotted. And so he was very, very careful, very meticulous to keep um, his head down so uh, uh, none of Saul's men would, would spot him. And, and so it starts out of that. So you can imagine going through that. Where's the next, where's the food going to come from? Where's the next shelter? Are they catching up to me? What if they spot me? Are the men going to stay loyal? Is everyone going to hang with me? And, and this multiple things going through his brain. But the very first thing he says about his condition, listen to this. He says, um, I love you, Lord. You're my strength. And, and I love the way he starts it. Because he just immediately declares that in the midst of all of that, his great love for God, and that God is his strength. Now let's go to the next verse over here. Then he talks a little bit about how the Lord has just kind of kept him in safety. Um, and he says, the Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. Um, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield. And, and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. Now, why is he saying all that? Because that's exactly what he needs to hide, you know, from um, Saul. And, and, and so the Bible tells us that, that David had a big view of God as the one who is going to be able not only to protect him, but also he could go on offense every once in a while. I mean, God's a big God, huge view of God. So then he says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. And this is something that I think is really unique. L look at this next verse. He says, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me, and the snares of death confronted me. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> it reminds me a lot of the cross. But maybe you've gone through, or you're going through something right now where you're thinking, how in the world am I going to get out of this thing? E even this transition creates doubt. And for those of you who are just tired of leading, you know, in a, in a time like this, and you just came out of COVID, I mean, sometimes it can be pretty overwhelming. And, and um, some of you in your personal life, you could relate to this for other reasons. But for David, he's point blank, and he just says that God... I'm drowning here. I, I need you. I need you. And then in verse 6, he says, In my distress I called to you. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry came before him into his ears. And, and I, I want to I stop right there to say, I like what he says that I cried to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a serial crier, you know, <laughs> because I know my, as, as intelligent as we all think we are, and, as, and, and, and with all the resources that we have, 
Um, when we're alone and there's nobody around us, we know how vulnerable we are. We know that we are a needy people. Oh, we can convince ourselves that our degree or, 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 or our retirement funds, or you know, that they, that can carry the day. But man, I, I live in Southern California and in, in, in an extremely wealthy area, and I have never seen more lonely people. And so all of us have this little thing called what's really happening in our life. <laughs> and, and it's vulnerable. And so I like what he says. And David was a serial crier, too. I mean, almost every other psalm, he's crying out to the Lord. He said, come on, you big cry, baby. Well, why is he doing that? First of all, he depends on God. Secondly, he's got great need. And so there's nothing wrong with being a serial crier, all to say that. But here's the classic thing, and I think you have that word in red. He says, from the temple, listen to this, from his temple, he heard my voice. That's really important for us to understand. That when we cry out to God, he hears our voice. So sometimes we think, okay, is this prayer going anywhere? Is, is this dream going anywhere? I mean, God, are you even up there, or where are you? But what was classic about this is that you, the first thing that you hear about God is, is that he hears us. This isn't an exercise in vanity. You know, or a pretend, you know, when I was a kid, I had this pretend kid, you know, uh, a brother, and he didn't exist. And so um, my, my parents thought, okay, does, does he need counseling? <laughs> and, and come to find out that I just created my own little universe, you know, uh, uh, and then had a slew of brothers, and then wished, you know, that I was back to just having my pretend friend, you know, after that. But no, I'm kidding. The, um, but sometimes that's what we think we're just talking to ourselves when we cry out to God. But the Bible says he hears our voice. My cry came before him into his ear. And so let me just tell you right now, if you're crying out to the Lord, he hears you. He, he, he hears you. But you know what? If that's all God did was just hear you. Hey, Nate, you know, I hear you, man. Oh, good luck, man. You're on your own. I'm behind you, way behind you. Um, I mean, that, that may make us feel a little good that he hears us. But in the end, you could easily, you know, close with this statement. So who cares? He hears me. Now what? Well, listen to this. This is a classic verse. After he hears this cry, the Bible says, the earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because what? He was angry. Now, I don't know who you like better, Spielberg or Peter Jackson, or did you even like any of you know? I, 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 I prefer Peter Jackson. Um, but one of the things about Peter Jackson is, is that, I mean, he, whatever you can imagine, I don't know how the guy does it, but he can simulate this. And so in his studio in New Zealand, he has this one of the most amazing, I don't know if you've ever been there, what a studio. It, one of the most amazing uh, uh, technologically advanced um, cinematic production, you know, not only equipment, but an amazing team. And uh, so if you can think, and one of the things that he does is that every single year, the, his staff says, uh, oh, he tells the staff, he says, if you can think about it, um, and we'll choose which, which uh, narrative you want to do and film it, but I want you to think big, and I want you to be imaginative, and we'll, and we'll produce a three-minute short on it. And so you think about it. 
if it's climbing, you know, Mount Everest, or if it's diving off Mount Everest and landing on your feet, you know, the most incredibly insane thing that you can possibly think of, think about it. We'll have a contest who wins it, and we'll direct it, and it'll be for our little group. So he has this whole collection of these crazy ideas that come from his staff. Well, when I, when I read this passage, I think it's far greater than, it's, it's, it's far greater than anything Spielberg or Jackson or any kind of human mind can comprehend what, what, what we're reading right now in this portion of Scripture. So the earth trembled and quaked, the foundations of the mountain shook, and, uh, and they trembled. Why? Because he's angry. And I don't know about you, that, that does a little bit of encouragement for me, or brings a little bit of encouragement. Here's why, because if God, all God did was just hear you. Like I said, that's great. Thank you, God, for hearing my voice. But God's moved by your cry. And that's really important. I mean, the way that the psalmist defined and described his feeling is anger. God cares deeply. He is displeased when his people are in need or they're suffering. He's angry. So angry that that. The most graphic of terms are written into this. And so this is, I mean, there's no way. Uh, and I wanted to actually submit this verse man, to Peter Jackson's staff. To, to throw out. Well, I'd like to see him, him put that test in this particular scripture. Um, but they uh, wouldn't let me in, so um, to the back offices. But I tried that. Um, anyways, th- then listen to this. It said, not only you know, was he angry, but listen, they continue to describe how God's feelings Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. It's, it's almost like this parallel picture of Christ in Revelation. You know, he has this white woolly hair. And, and just, but it's awesome. It's bigger than anything that we can comprehend. And, and if you don't understand it, it, it can actually be a little, little scary. You know? um, but so he goes on. And he says, he parted the heavens, and I love this, and he came down. And again, this is hard to understand in human terms. And if we had more time, we would break down um, this even further. But I want you to look at those words, he came down. He came down. So it's one thing to hear the cries of the people. And you can get angry as much as you like, but if there's no action then you look like most of the churches in America. Very concerned about people, and they know there's need out there. But there's just an action plan that never, ever exists or materializes. And so we talk a lot about things that don't look anything like the New Testament church, which is, which is a body of people that are ministering to each other, great fellowship and relationship inside, and, 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 and developing leaders, I'll talk about this later, to do what? to go ye therefore into the world. And it's that part where most of the, of the evangelical church in America, we quit doing it. And so we have more bless me clubs than, than we do churches that are radically changing culture. And you know the gospel is, is a culture-changing gospel. And, and if we lead with love, there, there should be serious implications you know, to our presence. Um, and I'm not saying that's about this. I'm, I'm saying this every church. You know, this, that action plan to reach our community <laughs> is as important as us caring for each other. And that's extremely important, having that corny of fellowship, shepherding, loving on each other inside the church. And so 
he, he heard it, he was angry, but then he acted on it. And the Bible said he came down. They parted the heavens, came down. Uh, dark clouds were under his feet. Again, th th these are unbelievable images. He mounted the cherub and flew, and he soared on the wings of the wind. Now, does God need a, an angel, you know, to, to ride? No, he created him. But the imagery here is pretty dramatic, you know. And, and look what he does. He says he made darkness his covering. In other words, he didn't care if it was dark. That darkness can't stop him. Even if, even if it's around him and, and above him, it, it doesn't stop the power of God. And then he, goes, he said that um, his canopy around him and, and dark rain clouds of the sky, and out of the brightness of um, his presence, uh, clouds advanced and hailstones and, and bolts of lightning, and wow, Here's Spiel, it's Spielbergian again, Peter Jackson-esque. Um, the Lord thundered from on heaven, uh, and the voice of, of the Most High resounded. Now, I want, I want you to see that he advanced, that, that literally he was advancing. So, so you know, th there is a process here. He hears us. Um, he's moved by it. He, he came down. Nothing can stop him. <laughs> he advances. Anything that the enemy, any of the diseases, any of the afflictions that we have, none of it can, can, can stop it. And, and so he's, on, he's an unstoppable force. And I want you to think about that with your need. Um, and he doesn't always answer prayer on our, ter and on our terms. He didn't with us. We went through a long, long time period with my daughter. Um, and then out of nowhere, you know, we find this, the, the surgeon. And, 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 and believe me, he wasn't just there to operate on my daughter. He, he's, he's hearing the gospel, you know, and, and he's blown away by this whole experience. But through the whole thing, I, I would admit, can God do this? Will God do this? I always teach that he can, but will he? And, and sometimes he chooses not to, so we were ready for that. But the thing that you need to know, if it's in your business or in your marriage or if it's in this church, God advances. And when we cry out to him, uh, um, and just know that, we're, we're not, he's not the meek, mild person who's going to stand there and let suffering happen. But we're a part of the solution to be involved. You know, um, and the, the church is the change agent for these end days. Um, then the Bible says that the Lord thundered from on heaven, the voice of the, his most high resounded, and then he I don't really understand this. Um, he shot arrows and scattered the enemy. You know, again, this is what the psalmist was saying. Um, and great bolts of lightning routed him. All I know is I wouldn't want to be on the, on, on the wrong side of this. You know? <laughs> and then, and this is, this is probably the most powerful statement yet. The valley of the sea was exposed. I mean, God's so powerful, he created it with a single breath. But just at, at his presence, I mean, everything recedes, you know, um, uh, and again, nothing can stop. And the foundations of the earth laid bare um, at your rebuke, Lord. And, and that's a classic understanding that not only is God angry, not only is he unstoppable, but listen to this. Um, there's, there's a time when he's going to rebuke, you know, um, evil. And, and, and you, so you need to know that he doesn't pass but just watch you suffer. 
I mean, this, this is an act of God going through the whole emotions that, you know, we see. And, and the psalmist captures just the most intense emotions of it all. So he, um, so he says, the valleys are exposed. It says, uh, uh, at your rebuke, Lord. And he says, at the blast of your breath of your nostrils. And then now I want you to pay very close attention to this next verse. And then the Bible says, and you can go to the next, wait, where's that he reached down? Is that there? Yeah, there it is right there. Thanks. The Bible says, after all of this, what did God do? He reached down. And I want you to imagine that. And what does he reach down for? He reached down on high, and he took hold of me, and he drew me out of deep waters. I like that analogy. Have you ever felt like you're drowning? He reaches down and draws me out of deep waters. But the operative word here is reached. So he can do all the above, but if he's not personally touching, personally rescuing, you know, then, then I would tell you right now, that's an incomplete action. And God's the God of completion. So he reaches down. Some of you are a product of God reaching down and, and rescuing you from a lifestyle. I certainly was. I wasn't a believer my whole life. Um, and I remember when God reached down. But that's just the beginning. And so this, to me, this is why I love this verse. It just gets stronger. He reached down from the high, took a hold of me, drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, my foes, who were too strong for me. Um, there's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians, and we need each other. And sometimes when you feel isolated, that's when we are the most vulnerable. Yeah, and we have a God who comes down, but we need each other. That's why close fellowship. I heard from the leaders last night that one of the things that we need, you know, this church, and every church needs this, is just to know that you're loved, that there are people that love you, that they're your advocates, that they're your go-to people. Now, are they God? No. You know, but they're the people of God. And, and we're called, you know, to, to watch, love each other, just as Christ loved us. That's the great commandment, which is what? You guys remember the great commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, so he goes on here. And I'll just skip down to verse 19. So that's, that's the next slide. So after he reaches down, I love this. He brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me. Why? Because he delights in us. Because he loves us. You know, sometimes the experiences of life can get us to doubt God's great love. And I know you've gone through that, because all of us go through that. But I want you to see what he says here. He rescues me, and he puts me in a spacious place. What's so profound about that? This whole time he's hiding, right? To be in a spacious place meant that you were an open target, you know, to Saul and his madmen, you know, coming after him. But here, what does God do? He says, I'm going to set you free from the bondage of the fear of, of, of the pursuit of, of the enemy, and I'm going to put you into a spacious place so you can start enjoying freedom again, freedom in relationship with, with me and with others. It's very, very, very powerful. And guess what that spacious place is? 
Can anybody t tell me what the spacious place is? I'll tell you. It's a place that I believe is a church or a fellowship or a community of believers who are looking out for each other. It isn't just a physical place. It's a personal place. It's not a safe zone like you see at Burdett. What do they call them at Berkeley? You know, um, safe places, or I forgot what they call them. But this is a, I see a church. That's what I see. So you can see all this stuff happening, and God rescuing people, and he puts them in what I believe is a fellowship where they're honoring God. And I tell you, that is something that has guided my ministry, my entire ministry, is how can we make our place safe and welcoming to people who come that have just gone through this. You never know who walks through that door what they're going through. Even if you think you know them. You don't know what's going on behind those doors. But one thing that we can do and be intentional about is creating a place where people can come in and feel loved. But I'm going to go one step further. It isn't that we feel loved or only that we feel loved. But what about those that are rescued? What are we doing to reach those people? And what do we do when they come to a place? So what you'll find with me is that I've been pastoring for years and years and years. And now I coach pastors, mainly, and leaders. But it's that, what does it mean to have a spacious place, a safe place? Well, I believe it's a place where when people come, they can... Uh, when they come in, I would use these four. You bring them into knowledge of Jesus Christ. You build them up in their faith. You train them on what their spiritual gifts are. And then you send them out. And we, in a very intentional way, loving way, reach our community for Christ. And so we start here, safe, we love each other. We have, we have this shepherding relational dynamic. But it always leads to the Great Commission. And, uh, and I will tell you, if you want to know what churches that I've seen over the years that are impacting, they've been able to do just that. So I have a couple of thoughts here that I want to conclude with. And I'll get you out of here by uh, 3 o'clock. Um, <laughs> no, I won't. Um, churches that impact their community. Uh, these are churches that develop disciples that hear the cry of culture. You hear it. Some of you do right now because you know what your neighbors are going through or your kids are going through. But we have a desperately hurting culture. Every time, I mean, if, if you were, and, and I'll, I will out myself, you know, um, it might be the shortest time you've ever had anybody here. But when you were in middle school, did, did you ever think that you would have a woman, I mean a man on a woman's basketball team? Now, look, I'm not a hate guy. But I can go through, and what used to be sin now is celebrated. And people don't even know what gender is anymore. I think we were up to about 365 of them. I mean, we live in an extremely confused world. And the world has never needed the strength of the gospel, I believe. At least in my lifetime. And most of us are about the same age. 
29, somewhere around that. Uh, um, and so this is, there's never been a time, and you hear the cry all the time. And it's, you hear it in the news. And just every, it's just a wounded culture who needs a God like this, who needs to hear the gospel. But, but impacting churches are churches that develop disciples that hear the cries of culture, that are sensitive to the culture. And it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to act on it. So part of what we want to do here in this church is develop that pathway. You know, we'll start by getting to know each other, you know, and building, building community together. But it has to take the next step. Otherwise, you know, you're a great club, you know, and it's got baseball and football. Warriors. By the way, because I've lived in Northern California a good portion of my life, Santa Cruz, California. Um, I'm a Giants fan. And it's very hard to be a missionary in Southern California when you're a, um, a Giants fan. But, uh, uh, and, but I do wear my Giants cap, and I'm a Warriors fan because I've never liked the Lakers. You know, uh, but outside of that, I have to keep that quiet so we don't get persecuted. Um, no, I don't keep it quiet. That's my problem. Um, anyway, uh, we, you see it there. I used to say that Santa Cruz is, was, was, you know, makes Berkeley look like the young Republicans. You know, I mean, it's so wild out there. Um, but we saw so many people come to Christ there that it just, you know, to, to this day, it blows my mind. And everyone said, and by the way, we went into a very hurt church, same size as this. Um, and the average age was 70. Uh, and, you know, and this is God. I, I'm not that smart. Three years later, we had three campuses, and we ran 1,200 people, and most of them were young families. And all of that was because we partnered together to hand the baton of faith down to the next generation without making the older generation feel like they're irrelevant, which is what a lot of churches do, by the way. Um, so, so develop, and that's what we did. Hey, hear the cries out there. Um, and then, you know, churches that impact your community, they, they have disciples that are moved at the heart level by it. So we're not just hearing it. Now we're moved by it. Third thing is that, you know, our call is to develop disciples that are compelled to act inside and outside the church. And then disciples that reach out to rescue. And some of the greatest stories in a church. Uh, we planted a church two years ago, and uh, our, our church plant team did. And... Um, Seven weeks later, COVID hit. And so we went online. And so for several months, we were online. And then we found a parking spot in a brand new outlet mall. And so we decided that we would just do it out there, social distance, the whole thing. Um, so we met there. Last Easter, we had 1,800 people there in the middle of COVID, average age 27. Everybody said it was impossible. And then, boom, God shows up because we invited them. And, and so what I'm not trying to do, because I could care less about the growth, that means nothing to me. What makes a difference to me is they reach their community. Everybody in that whole community knows who they are because they do so much outward work. And so far, 700 people have gotten saved since that church has been there. There is no difference. I'm telling you right now, there's no secret sauce. You've had better teachers than, than I love my, my, my pastor. Then, then, you know, he'll ever be. Um, and, but there is a way to mobilize each other with a humble heart and say, okay, God, we want to be a part of your plan, not just inside the church, 
but outside the church too. And for some, that scares them. Or some, you're just so tired <laughs> coming to church and thinking, oh, the last thing I need to think about is thinking, reaching out. But God will give us the strength. Um, look at this one next one. Uh, disciples that reach out to rescue, motivated by love. Everything we do needs to be motivated by love. And then we need to provide a place for people to come, to grow, to heal, and so we can develop uh, um, um, God's army of, of rescuers that are out there. And in the ensuing times that, I, that, that I'm here, and, and I'll tell you right up front, we're still processing through my travel schedule you know, here. Um, I've done this for so many years that the main reason why I'm here is because of the fact my heart for this church, but, this, but there's another reason too. It's because I've done this for many, many, many years. And when I, I just cannot believe how this place changes. See all these high rise buildings around it. I mean, this is like the, this is Ephesus. We're smack dab in the middle of, uh, of some amazing things that can happen here. Um, and I know some of you are tired. Some of you may feel hurt. Um, thank God that Matt is a forgiving guy for his schedule last, last week. Um, but the bottom line is, is that, um, when you see a God like this, uh, I, I just got to tell you, he, he's still that way. And I believe with all my heart that his passion is for you and for this community. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do. But as we process through, you know, next steps, and we will, we meet with the board. We, we don't have everything. We just got here, you know, uh, answered yet. Um, but it, it, so far, just I've had such a thrill just being here, you know, with you guys. And um, but I want you to see that last point again: provide a place to heal, to grow, and to develop God's army of rescuers. Um, ultimately, we'll start putting some meat on some of those bones. So we say, well, what does that mean, and how does that look like in a pathway, uh, leadership or, or development pathway or strategy? But as for right now, you know, I. I wanted to come and kind of introduce to you, reintroduce to you, some of you already know, a God that big. So for as, for as you know, sometimes hopeless as we think things are in our own life or in our situation, let me just tell you, man, God's a God bigger than us. And uh, I saw that with my daughter. Any, veg, any VeggieTale people here at all? Yeah, you're a VeggieTale. Okay. So I raised my kids on VeggieTale. You know, and so they'll, they'll always quote VeggieTales to this day. Um, but I love this. My son still sings the song. He's an engineer. And so out of nowhere, when, when he's around difficult times, and, he, and he's sarcastic. So um, he's, he's, like, he's, he's like his mom. No, she's not that way at all. Uh, um, but but uh, anyway, <laughs> I know. This isn't taped, is it? Uh, um, but he would always say this. God is bigger than the boogeyman, you know? And if you remember Larry the Cucumber, you know, some of you are going, this guy's nuts. How did we get him in here? You know, that was his big thing. God is big. And he is, you know? He's bigger than anything, any darkness that can come our way or any discouragement, any hopelessness. And so for you, what I'd like to do is just, if you don't mind, I know we have some announcements, and then we'll close off here, but I would love for us to, to stand and could you do a favor for me, if it's permittable? No, I got to remember I'm back in Northern California, so this may not be permittable. Can you guys like join hands or no? Is that is that okay? Um, if you don't want to, that's okay. We'll we'll, we'll understand. But um, join hands if you can. 
and I just want to, I just want to pray for you. In fact, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take one step back, and um, I just want to see if there's anybody here, just by, just by a show of hands. I'd love for us just to close our eyes for a second, just kind of focus in on God, and, and I'm, I was going to say, if you're here and there is a specific need that you have, you don't need to say it, but at least we can acknowledge it. So let's bow our heads. And if there is a specific need here, and, and um, so I want to pray for all of us, just kind of go ahead and just take a look at me. You know what I mean? And um, if there's something that you're going through, um, and any specific need. Okay, thanks. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Peninsula Hope. Thank you for its history. Thank you for its leadership. Thank you, Lord, for um, just the, uh, the, the legacy. Man, so many people have heard the gospel because of this church. And the fact that it's uniquely placed, it's right smack dab you know, in a city you know, that continues to grow with these high-rise buildings. Um, Lord, I, we had to pray overall for this church, that you would anoint us, Lord, give us great hope, give us a strategy connect our hearts to each other. And Lord, I just think of those that are coming in here and they, they feel much like that psalm where the cords of death are, are, are literally entangled in with them and, and it looks like there's no hope. It could be a relationship or their finances or their marriage or the relationship with their kids or their workplace. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, or a physical ailment, I just pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that we would begin to see your, your advancement, Lord God, on, on their storm. And I, I pray, Lord, that we would begin to hear stories, Lord, of release and freedom and of healing. And God, that we would give you all the glory because that's where it's all coming from. And so, Lord God, we, we lift your name on high. We love you, Jesus. And we ask these things in your holy name. And everyone who agrees can say amen. 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 God bless you.